All right. Well, we're going to talk about praying uh, men. And uh, sorry, ladies, I'm not trying to to, uh, exclude the ladies. Does anyone need this? I think we've all, all been covered, right? Yeah. I just brought it in case. Ron, you need a handout and make a paper plane with? <laughs> so, that would be. I remember when we started the church, we had a, I think I told you this, uh, that we had a guy that used to make paper planes with the kids to keep them occupied. And it made one of our school, our, we had a real school teacher that never liked that, but I'm like, you know, he's doing what he can. The kids enjoyed it a lot. The boys loved it. I think the girls loved it. They were throwing them around and... When they'd come and see the class, they would be like, this is out of control. So, looks like engineering class to me. But anyhow, uh, practical application class. You guys need a handout back there? Good. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 through 8. And we'll... Or 1 Timothy. Sorry. I am a mess, aren't I? I think my brain is probably just about uh, taxed to the limit today. So... I'm not as uh, I don't have as much horsepower as I used to. Second uh, Timothy, First Timothy, First Timothy, chapter two, um, chapter two, verses one through eight. Well, actually, one of my most favorite sections of First Timothy is what we're focusing on here. So let's. Uh, uh, I had this committed to memory at one point. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, or of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself for a or gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Uh, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And so that's uh, that is the text that we're looking at uh, this evening. So uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to visit. Thank you for Ron singing, uh, Lord. Thank you for the victories we've seen today, and thank you, Lord, for the sufferings that we are dealing with, Lord. It's uh, in everything we give thanks, uh, Lord. I pray for the the saints that are hurting. That Lord, you would just provide great comfort. Or when a saint is hurting, we're hurting with them. So Lord, help us to have empathy and uh, compassion upon those that in any trouble. Lord, I think tonight about Betty Arney and her family. I think about Jeremy Bonison and his father and uh, the family of his sister that just passed this week. Lord, and I think about Gary Hart and Sharon Hart and uh, Gary's family that's uh, uh, in his church, Lord, that uh, just lost their pastor to a heart attack last week. So, Lord, a lot of things going on in people's lives. For your duty steal, Lord many others that we can talk about later that we need to be lifting up. Lord, I pray, God, that you just continue to have your way uh, with us in every trial and every affliction and every victory, Lord, Lord, that in everything, uh, Lord, that you would get the honor and the glory. Uh, help us to pray. Teach us to pray. And, uh, Lord, Jeff did a great uh, series of sermons on this very topic on Wednesday night. Uh, Lord, I pray that we continue just to, to pray as we ought. And we just thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... Um, so we'll talk about the priority of prayer. The reality of war reveals the priority of prayer. Proper practice of prayer, um, and we also saw that the 
um, the priority of supplication, uh, the priority of prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks. The priority of prayer reveals the target of prayer. Uh, we're to pray for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. That's where we got last time. Tonight we're going to pick it up in verse 2 of the text that we read where he says, For kings, for all that are in authority. Uh, why? That we may lead a, a, a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Um, uh, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So all men, uh, we should definitely be uh, praying men, praying for all men. So we got to understand the priority of prayer, point two, the, the uh, power of prayer. And so, uh, so let's look at that. So first of all, in verse 2, uh, if you're looking at the blanks, peace in this life on earth. So this is a really uh, appropriate uh, you know, note as we're coming through here. We're just talking about peace on a Sunday morning, and our theme for this year is uh, that the, having um, perfect peace as our mind is stayed on Him. And so, verse two, there you'll note there how he, he says that we may we're, we should be praying that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Not just quiet and peaceable, but obviously a, a godly, honest life. And so peace in this life on earth. So it's not a it's not a problem to pray for peace on earth, uh, as we say when Jesus came to the planet and we sing the songs of Christmas, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Well, um, the Spirit of God in the Church of God does bring peace on earth in some measure. So it's not a guarantee that you will be free from the strife uh, of your neighborhood, right? Or that there won't be sin uh, that causes strife, because where there's not peace, there's war. But you can be free from the strife in your heart that goes, and that goes a long way to helping your neighborhood or your home, or even nations. You know, it's got to start somewhere, and it needs to start with the saints of God. So, uh, there's some things listed here that we can look at. Godliness, he mentions. So, what Paul's referring to here is the ability to live out our Christian life openly and in peace. Right? Isn't it, isn't it nice to be? We need to be praying that we can live out our godly life in peace. Because that's not always possible. Like in China, or Nepal, uh, or Arissa, or uh, I just got a text yesterday, or a WhatsApp message yesterday from a, a brother, uh, Christodas Erla. You know, and, and uh, they're really getting it hard over there uh, near Hyderabad in that region, uh, Telangana. And so uh, Telangana is picking up the pace on persecution. And so there's a lot of persecution in the church right now. And so when he's saying pray for kings and all that are in authority, you know, first of all, in America, we don't have a king, you know. And so we think about it in terms of elected politicians um, and all of those things. But in the reality, at the end of the day, he's not just saying pray for kings. He's saying pray for kings that they make way for our lifestyle, our godly lifestyle, give us liberty uh, or as... I don't want to say, you know, or give us death, right? So, uh, you know, sometimes you don't have to ask for death. Uh, historically, in church history, you say, give us liberty, because you know if you don't have it, you will die. Because that's how the church has lived for many centuries. The first ten, the first uh, a couple hundred years of the church age, they had the 300 years of the church age, they had ten Roman persecutions that went wave after wave across um southern europe primarily and uh and just wiped out the christians you know not in mass but in large quantity and uh at different times so he's saying hey pray pray that we can live a godly lifestyle and honesty that we simply want to be sincere and honest 
um, lights in the midst of a crooked, perverse nation, shining brightly until the day of Christ. You know, God grant us the ability to, to be afforded protection in the midst of our problems. It's, uh, it's you know, make way for the, the church of the living God, you know, by God's grace. And I'm not trying to get patriotic, but I, it really does stir me up to talk about these things because it really is the foundation of our nation. You know, the Bill of Rights is, is brought on because of Baptists. And uh, James Madison uh, negotiated with a Baptist preacher who had more votes than he did, and he gave up his votes for the Bill of Rights. He says, as long as you pass the Bill of Rights, you know, I'll, I'll withdraw my candidacy. And so uh, I read that in a book um, called Unlimited Submission, so I'm not just making that up. So if that author's wrong, I'm wrong. Yes, ma'am? It has really been bothering me since I've been subbing. So few students say the Pledge of Allegiance, a Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, and it's every morning, but so few of them do it. Really? I have said, even though I've been told, well, they're not forced to do it. Right. I said, please, I want to hear you say it. I just do say that. <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah. Well, and it's it's uh, there's a lot of you know tension in the in the air uh, around uh, these things in regard to, and it's not about left and right. It's about this issue of freedom, liberty, and you can see it in Canada, you can see it in America, and ultimately, what's the opposite of freedom and liberty is tyranny, and uh, tyranny has been the norm for most of human history, and so uh, that's it's hard for us as Americans to contextualize that we're really going to normal. <laughs> This is how it is. And so it's what we deserve as a nation, certainly. We don't deserve God's blessing, but we're sure glad when we get it. And we should definitely be praying for for it if God would at least give us some space to live out our lives. Which gets me, again, back to what I was talking about this morning. You know, that's really why we got to make sure we're fighting the right battles and uh, we're not on the wrong battles. But, yeah, amen. We, we definitely... Um, understand that to, to, to who much is given much is required so uh, you know I'll just kind of go off for a tangent for just a moment I don't believe America is a Christian nation per se uh, as a matter of fact that's why they set it up the way they did they set it up so though it being a Gentile nation um, uh, with Judeo-Christian laws obviously as a structure we have freedom to be the Christians that God called us to be we have, we're at liberty in that sense they're like the old Roman government in giving us a path, since we don't worship the, the, the leaders in a tyrannical sense, or we shouldn't, um, and I know you guys know this, but a lot of people don't. They just don't understand that liberty. So if you take that liberty, but you don't do anything with it, and you don't live a godly life, and you're not honest, and you're not going and accomplishing the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God, well then, there's also a certain penalty for that, just like Israel had in the Old Testament, when they would not cease from idolatry, and they would not accomplish what God put them there, which is to be a light to the Gentiles, ultimately. And uh, and so, the church, as Paul warns in Romans chapter 9-11, through 11, should not be lifted up and think, oh, well, God won't judge us. Well, he judged Israel. <laughs> so we need to be careful uh, with that. Just to, just to throw that out, I don't get a chance to talk about this stuff on Sunday morning. So uh, throughout history, you can see how God has provided uh, this for his people. Uh, going away from contemporary history, in Bavaria, God provided a military ring of peace for the Hussites who were targeted by the Roman Catholic Church for slaughter. So if we just go back a few more centuries, there was a time when the Hussites, you know, because they did take a stand uh, on the on the, the Bible and authority other than the Pope, had to defend themselves as the Pope 
Pope sicked, um, you know, the powers that be on them to destroy them. And, of course, the Hussites uh, defended themselves very well. Uh, they were called Hussites because they rallied around John Huss, who had the audacity to question the Pope in regard to salvation by grace through faith in, in, the, in the Scripture alone. So John Huss, if you go back and read what he said, uh, was certainly, I think, born again and... Uh, and guys like Luther certainly followed suit. So, so guys, so the, the so those are things that that we look at not just in contemporary history, but throughout history, and that's even fairly recently. And that keeps getting you know over and over again, you know, plays out in in history. In this country, Bible believers were routinely persecuted by Protestants and Catholics until the advent of the Revolution and the formation of the United States. And so many people don't realize that. Uh, in my church history class, I, I bring it all the way up to contemporary, meaning contemporary, meaning the 1800s, 1700s. And uh, there's several, uh, David Cloud has several uh, resources in his church history, and there's others that record a lot of the persecution. And I, granted, the persecution in the United States was not nearly as severe as Europe and the Inquisition. So even in the colonies, it wasn't as bad, but there was still serious persecution. I mean, not it wasn't light persecution. It was, by today's standards, would have been heavily persecuted. Yeah, Salem witch trials. Yep. And, well, and you, I mean, you got all kinds of examples. I mean, the First Baptist Church was started out of persecution. A guy fleeing for his life. So, um, and again, when you look at uh, even secular, Amy watches these shows on uh, Netflix, and they pro- always portray the Protestants. Not not, not that I'm for Protestants because they they persecuted us, but they're always portrayed in the in the worst light possible, typically. So uh, John Knox and guys like that, which are pretty good guys, and so throughout history, uh, that's how it's rolled. So um, we need to be thankful for the peace that we enjoy. For it, it is God setting us a, a pick to take the gospel to our neighborhoods and neighboring ca- countries. I, I think it's a blessing that right now we have Afghan refugees. Okay, so we have re- Afghan refugees, 300 families up here at the airport. Um, it's a blessing if we reach them. It'll be a curse if we don't. You know, And uh, same thing, we'll have Ukrainians come in. It's a blessing if we reach them. It'll be a curse if we don't. And I do believe part of that is up to us, what we do with the opportunity. And so I'll never forget, Sam and I were uh, down at uh, downtown in uh, KCK uh, in one of the projects one day. Having, I was meeting with, a, I won't say his name because I don't know what I'm about to say, but it was with one of the leaders of the Nepali community. He, was not, uh, he wasn't a, a diehard Buddhist, but he wasn't really on board with Christianity. He was a little messed up with uh uh, Mormon doctrine, which he picked up actually in Asia, not not here. But when he got here, he was still kind of on the fence. So Sam and I went down one day and was hanging out. Sam was eating. And the kids, these kids were probably anywhere from 8 years old, 9 years old, up to 15, 16 years old. And they're they're over in a little huddle as, we're, as I'm talking to the father and the patriarchs and Sam's eating food and all this stuff. And we're hanging out in this project. And they're over there shooting dice. You know, and uh, in a little circle, and and I'm just looking at those kids, going, man, if we don't reach those kids, you know where this is going. It's nowhere good. You know, this neighbor. I've seen this story play out in immigration families over and over and over throughout history, right? And so it's important that we reach people uh, when they get here. That's kind of a just something that's on my heart right now. So 
point A, peace in this in this life on earth. We're praying that, man, God, set a pick for us so that we can do what you called us to do. Help us not to be lazy and to just take it and just sit back and be uh, lethargic about the mission of God. Point B, we need to be pleasing God. In heaven. So in verse 3, as he gets to verse 3, he says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So God's looking from heaven, right? He's looking at what we're doing. Uh, praying uh, pleases God, uh, who is who we are trying to please, ultimately. Who doesn't want to hear God say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant? Right? Matthew 21 uh, and 23. 25-21 and 25-23. Uh, so Paul is also dropping the authority bomb here. In the sight of God, our Savior, is linking us back to the introduction of 1 Timothy 1 and verse 1, equating Jesus to God and God to Jesus. So in a pagan world, it's important to remember and teach that Jesus is God and that God is Jesus. Uh, Paul will uh, highlight this in 1 Timothy 3.16 when we look at the mystery of godliness, which he lays out in this book as well. So Jesus is God and he is Savior, right? So Titus uh, 2.13, just uh, look over there real quick. You only have to flip a few pages. Titus 2, I didn't have that in your notes, did I? Print it out. Someone want to read that? 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious Amen. So this is a good verse. We should all have this highlighted in our Bible. Though I don't have it in mine, I need to highlight it. You know, what are we really looking for? We're looking for Jesus, right? That's that's a blessed hope. For us, it's a blessed hope. Uh, you know, when you you read uh, the book of Revelation and people that don't know the Lord, um, at the second coming, they're saying rocks fall on us, you know, and, and, and who can hide us from the wrath of God? That's not how we, we see Jesus. We meet him in the air. We look forward to it. First Thessalonians chapter 4 as we're caught away to the Lord. It's a blessed hope for us. We look forward to the coming of Christ, according to Titus 2.13. And the coming of Christ for us is the catching away of the church, or what we call the rapture. And so uh, we look forward to that because of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So there you see Titus is also equating Jesus Christ to being God. He's our great God and our Savior. And so he is both. Uh, And then the last thing, and we'll stop here tonight, is propagating the gospel to the lost and dying world in verse 4. And so um, he goes on to say, uh, that, that they may teach the young women to be um, in Titus. That doesn't. That's that's good, but not the right place. Uh, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? And so uh, the propagation of the gospel to the lost and the dying world is what we're after. So we pray for uh, for all kings, so all men will come to the knowledge of Christ. So there's several kind of layers here, right? We want to have some liberty. We want to be able to live our godly lifestyle. Uh, we want to have peace so that we can live in a way that pleases God in heaven so that we can propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray for all in authority because Jesus gave himself a ransom, First uh, Timothy 1, 6, for all men. And we keep we're coming across that passage of all men, that phrase. So you cannot miss this. God wants to see all men saved, and that's why the Father gave all power and authority to Jesus Christ in heaven and in earth. So we go forth under the command of Christ with the word of God and the ministry of reconciliation. So that brings us to uh, chapter 2, verse 5, and we'll stop there uh, because I still have plenty to say about that. Um, 
but the uh, the people of prayer is going to be point three. So praying men should understand the priority of prayer, and praying men, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, should realize the the uh, power of prayer. So there's a priority of prayer and the power of prayer. And next week we will talk about the people of prayer in verses five through eight. Is that any questions? So that gives us time to to apply. Yes, sir. What's that? Oh, yes. That is exactly my. That's. I believe that's not what I think. I think that's what Paul's praying. You know, huh? No, and I, I, I see it that way. I mean, look at Paul's life. How much peace did he get? It was fleeting. Uh, you know, it is sobering. It's sobering when you think of the abundance of peace we've enjoyed, as bad as we've had. You know, World War One, World War Two. The Civil War, without a doubt, is the greatest and most biblical, probably, war we've had as far as being judged for sin. And if we were judged that harshly for slavery, as we were, how harsh are we going to be judged for abortion? And um, that is one that I, I do, even though I know I'm saved by grace through faith, faith I'm always kind of like, when's that shoe going to drop? You know, because um, I don't know that we've atoned for it. Just, just making it illegal isn't enough. I mean, um, that's a, that's a grievous. It's like taking a baby and casting it before bail for money, and that's been done intentionally. Because before it was illegal, they still. I mean, before it was illegal, anyway, they were doing it anyway. Right. And so. But at least it was illegal, and obviously, you know, I'm all compassionate. But you got to look at just the. Um, it is a eugenic. When you go back to Margaret Sanger and the whole the whole emphasis on that is wicked. I mean, from the get go. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's there's a lot to answer for. Okay, so we're saved. We don't have to worry about it. But we still, just like Jeremiah, just like Paul, you know, we live in a, we live in this world, these Gentile nations, and we're salt and light. So, you know. Um, How are we responsible is the question. We are responsible. So you have to kind of do the math and figure out, well, what's the most impactful way to make a difference? And it is the gospel. Right. Right. It's not necessarily... And I'm not against, you know, um, Phyllis Schlafly and all the... You know, I mean, those guys are doing... They got a place. Cal Thomas, whatever. But at the end of the day... We really just need average run-of-the-mill Christians sharing the gospel with everybody and having a genuine revival. And that takes pretty much care of everything else, you know. And that's really what needs to happen is is we can't worry about the politicians. We can't worry about everything else that we have no control over. We just got to do what we're supposed to do and pray that God multiplies that mightily and then pray that, that he gives us mercy because we don't deserve it as a nation. Um, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we we are. It's so even some of the things that are contemporary. You know, 
you know, we're all up in the air over one nation's, you know, violating the sovereignty of another nation's border on one hand, and yet our border is wide open on the other hand, and we don't enforce our own laws. I mean, it's it's nonsense. So that's not a political statement. That's just nonsense. It makes no sense. So you can, on one hand, you can be angry and you can wrench your, you know, wring your hands and, or you can say, you know what, God, maybe that's part of our judgment, you know, or we're like, hey, well, if we're not going to go to the world, let's go get, let's say to bring the world to us. As a Christian, your response is the same. It's take the gospel everywhere, even if everywhere is coming on top of you. To our point about this prayer issue, though, is you know why we have peace. We need to use it for the right things, because if we squander it, that's quite a judgment in and of itself. Uh, just to 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 take peace and then spend it on our house, <laughs> you know, and spend it on our car and spend it on our vacation home and spend all of our peace on us and not actually leverage it for the gospel. That really reveals our heart. And uh, that is a that is a scary thing to consider. I mean, for me, I don't know about y'all, but you know, it's terrible. Oh well. So that's uh, that's all I got to say about that. That is good things to meditate on. But that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's where I'm at. And I really think that's what Paul is meditating on as well. Is when he says that it's you know a lot of times we say pray for kings, and obviously we do. I do every Saturday. I pray for the powers that be, Vicky Hartzler, President Biden. You know, I don't care who the president is. I pray for him. God can use Balaam's ass. He can use anybody. And uh, I don't mean that as a slight. I I can put a lot of presidents in that line, you know. Uh, And so, so, uh, you know, God can use anybody regardless of their party. As, As, again, the Bible has shown, he can take Nebuchadnezzar, who's a complete and autocratic tyrant, and turn him and use him for his honor and glory, you know. And Ahasuerus and and Darius and you know you just go right on down the line. God is powerful, and so uh, we just got to make sure we stay in our lane and uh, believe God and do what we're supposed to. So I think that's where we probably forget how powerful we are. And I'm talking about me. I, I forget that really our prayers are fervent and effectual. It says they avail much. You know. Well, then let's get after it. Let's avail. So that's why we're here tonight. All five of us. So, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of us. Sorry. I was seeing you back there, L. So, um, I don't have prayer pieces tonight, so they, they didn't get printed. We had some printer problems this week. Uh, that's probably why our printer wasn't working. We've had some computer issues. Oops, I thought I shut this.